Hi, this is Donna Otto. Welcome, 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 welcome. Have you noticed my voice has changed? I was listening to a podcast, which they make me do around here, and I really don't like doing it, but I thought, whose voice is that? I don't know if my voice has gone lower, or maybe I'm just calmer, but it doesn't even sound like me. Does it sound like me? Let me know. Thanks so much for joining us. We are Modern Homemakers, and we are in the middle of my very favorite time of the year. This is the time of our preparation for Easter. There are many things on our website that will help you prepare for Easter. And I'm going to do a couple of things in the next two days that will be my last reflection on this time that we've set apart. Remember on March 14th, I mean February 14th, we all went to churches and had ashes put on our foreheads. And if we didn't do it, we thought about it. And if we didn't think about it, we might have practiced a little setting aside fasting or almsgiving or increased prayer. And now we're marching toward Easter. And um, I want to talk in the next couple of days about what Easter looks like in the world and how it doesn't really help us who are not in the world, who are peculiar people living in a foreign land, um, get through Easter. So we spoke of spiritual transformation. And I want to talk to you today about a very transforming concept that has to do with this Easter, this practice of looking and reflecting and figuring out what all of the days of the life of Christ, why and how and how they can affect us. So that's, that's my aim for the day. I want to thank you so much. The Builder 87 is drawing to a close. I think there may be only 15 or 18 places left. I don't even know this because I was on holiday, but I think every week last, every day last week, you were able to listen to the Builder 87 lesson. If you heard it once, you could have heard it five times. That was in addition. So I hope you've heard it and what we're going to do and how we're approaching it and how you can be a builder by making a contribution to the ministry, making a contribution in a reoccurring fashion from $1 a month to whatever number you might like to make a donation. And then those of you who will get in through the 87 window, um, there's a wonderful journal on its way to you. So thank you so much. It's been very encouraging, very, very encouraging. There are two other things that I'm not going to spend any time with, but the organizational class is now up and online. And you can look for it, and we'll talk about it again after Easter, right? And the last thing I want to remind you of is that the Instagram page. Okay, now I'm not an Instagrammer, but I am. I understand how it works. But what I notice is that Modern Homemakers AZ Instagram, you have to follow us 
if you don't follow us, then we can't respond to you. So some of you have responded to our Instagram. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I hope you're enjoying it. I hope you're being blessed by it. We have someone who's handling it who's so creative that I I can hardly keep myself away from looking at it, period. But for her and the team to respond to you, you have to follow us so we can respond to you. So do that if you want to do that, okay? And then on the website, you're going to find some things that have to do with the days coming in. And I want you to go online and look at them. The first one is the week of week Easter basket. Now, today's session and Friday's session, which is the Friday we're together before Palm Sunday, they're going to go a little longer. They'll be 20 or 25 minutes because I want to make sure that you have all the information you need to be prepared to start the week of weeks. Now, let me tell you that the week of weeks has been such an important part of my life. And I was going through old files. I'm old, so I'm going through old files. And I found by 1977, okay, did you hear that? 1977, which is the first time that I embraced the week of weeks and I wrote a skit that we did with our Sunday school children. And I'm I'm amazed at what an effect that concept has had in my own life personally. 1977. This is 2018. You do the math. Aside from the fact that you know how old I am, but the reality of it is that every year, if I've done nothing else every year since 1977, when Palm Sunday comes... And it hits us. Boy, boy, there it is. There's Palm Sunday. And then you turn the calendar, and sometimes it's an early Easter, sometimes it's a late Easter. Don't ask me to explain all that. But we have on our website something that's called the Week of Weeks Easter Basket. And I created this. I'm not sure when, but I created this to be a counterculture point to what the culture gives you about Easter. All right? So just hold that thought. But go to the website and download it because you're going to need to get a few items to get in your basket. And you can do this so easily. This is not, don't, don't all of a sudden turn me off and say, oh no, more things to do. There are a few more things to do, but they're so easy and we've provided everything you need. You need a palm, you need some money, you've got that at home. You may need a fig. You might not have a fig at home. You've got perfume at home. You've got a kiss. Oh, a a chocolate candy kiss, a red lip kiss on a piece of paper, something that says a kiss, a dice. You can get a dice from any of your board games, a stone, pick it up from the yard, and spice you can get from your cabinet. So everything you need. Now, you can cute it up as cute as you want to cute it up. Put in little celly bags and put enough money in it for every one of the kids to have some. But every one of those symbols, they're just symbols of what happens during this week of weeks. Because starting with Palm Sunday, straight through Easter Sunday, Jesus, who's been very intentional, I'm going to talk about that when we're together on Friday, his intentionality. He has prepared these passages with his life to help you do something, as I said the culture is not even talking about. That's the first thing that I want you to download. And then these are all free resources, so all you need is a paper and a copy machine. 
And then the second thing is called the week of weeks. And this is the week of Passover, the week of Passion Week, Holy Week. I always call it Holy Week or Week of Weeks because there's no week like it in the church calendar. There's no week like it in the scripture. It is a powerful ending of 33 years and the intentionality of it and the way it builds just is mind-boggling. And so I don't expect you to do all of this. Oh, I'd love it if you but I have created for you something that you can find in some study Bibles, the Synoptic Gospels, where they take the week of weeks and in each of the Gospels for Palm Sunday, Sunday that's coming, Sunday the 25th, you see that there's a Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John passage that describes this event. Remember, these four guys are really different. So how they describe an event is giving you a very color. What's the color commentator? Are you watching March Madness? I love March Madness, so that's another day's conversation. But I love the color commentators at March Madness. Those guys are all giants. You know, they're former basketball players, most of them pros. And they love the game. They know the game. They call all the basketball players kids because they're so old. They're probably 45. And, and, and I love their color commentation. And this is what I love, this commentary that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John do of every day of the week of weeks. So download it. Oh, pick a day. Read one from Matthew. Read one from Mark. Maybe you have this week set aside already to a lot of this reading in the scripture. Straight from the word of God, everything that happens on every day of next week. And we'll talk about that each day of the week. So on Monday, we'll talk about what happened on Monday and Tuesday. And on Wednesday, we'll talk about Wednesday and Thursday. And then on Friday, we'll talk about Good Friday. And then comes Sunday. One more thing, and that is that we have available on the website what is a family life product, and we have their resurrection eggs. And if you've never done the resurrection eggs and you don't think you'll have time to do a basket, this would be the second best choice. And these eggs are plastic eggs you have once, and you can use them over and over again. And there are 12 eggs in it, and they just pop them in the basket. And every egg, when you open it, it has another symbol inside the egg that will help your children look forward to this week of weeks. And with a $10 donation to the ministry, you can buy them elsewhere for $12 or $15 or $17. But if you send $10 in the next 48 hours because we want to get it to you in time, we'll pop it in the mail to you and you'll have something to use um, for this week of weeks as well as the week of weeks to come. All right, all of that seems like a lot of stuff that has to be talked about because we're going on. But today I want to talk to you as a little follow-up to what we talked about with Peter's failure um, a few days ago, Peter's failure. On the 19th of March... I read aloud to you the Lord's Prayer after talking a little bit about Peter and his failure and the book of Philippians and living our life in a manner. So I want to bring our focus here this time on the concept of forgiveness. Oh, really, Otto? Like, I've heard so much about this. Haven't you? I'm always surprised 
at how many teachings there are on forgiveness. And what I'm mostly surprised is, is how that of all of the considerations in my walk of faith, I find that this subject is, first of all, a very heated topic of discussion. I just said the word to you, and I found myself saying, oh, really, Otto, why is that? Why is it if I say love, you smile all over and we think of happy things? I say forgiveness. When I say forgiveness, it, it shouts at us, have I forgiven? Do I need to be forgiven? What about his forgiveness and what does it look like? And I have seen every possible combinations of things that have to do with the necessities and ingredients to have a good and healthy forgiveness. And some of them are accurate, and some of them are in order, and some of them work, and some of them don't. And some of them are very uh, full of Sadducee, Pharisee kind of showing your alms before men. Here's one that just pops in my head. And that is that when I was a young woman, I learned a very important thing. And that was keep short accounts. Oh my goodness. When I think about the value of that in my life, now that I can look back, Keeping short accounts, oh, oh, it's very important. And especially with people you live with, especially with people you're close to, because if you don't keep a short account, whatever happened suddenly is blown much bigger. It's, it's out of proportion, and you don't even know it's out of proportion. This week alone, I had two articles that came across my desk about forgiveness, talking about forgiveness, how to forgive, what are the ingredients. Um, clinging to our angst and wounds can be very comforting. It's very familiar. She did that to me. She continues to do that to me. It feels very comfortable to just say, hmm, to her. And, and sometimes the absence of forgiveness for ourselves the absence, and you're going to say, this sounds like heresy, Donna, but I have talked to people who have been mad at God for decades. Decades. Blaming God. And, and I say something simple like, have you ever thought that maybe you need to forgive God? They're just, their eyes go up and their eyebrows go up, and mine do too. But if we get in a model, in a mold, that our forgiveness is not healthy, it's not theologically strong, it doesn't take into consideration some of the things that have proven to be uh, the first order. One of them is, I hear a lot of people say that offering forgiveness is good self-care. Well, you know that's really true. But it isn't the reason why we offer for forgiveness, or we forgive, or we receive forgiveness. It's not so that I'll feel better. Oh, it does make me feel better, though. It certainly makes me feel better. Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, unless you forgive, you can't be forgiven. Okay, so then let me forgive right away. And that business of keeping short accounts, I went through a period of time in my life when 
I wanted to keep a short account, so I did something terrible to you. And you were just standing there ashen after what I've just done. And I can be so severe. And you're looking at me, and I say, forgive me. Okay, forgive me. Because I realize what I've just done to you. And you just look at me like, what am I supposed to say to that? Like, forgive you? I, I haven't even felt all the hurt yet. That was so painful. So, so keeping a short account doesn't mean that you can snap your finger and say, okay, I did it. I realized I did it. Now you forgive me. This is, this is a process. This is a process. And I think unless you confess, that was another part of some forgiveness teachings. Because Jesus says, if you are faithful to confess, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, we've all quoted it and read it, then he is faithful to forgive. Well, does that make confession a part of forgiveness? So I'm trying today not to confuse you, but I want you to think about these days which we're entering into and finishing this time of set apart 40 days of reflection, preparing our hearts for Easter, and, and just look at the way God handles forgiveness. If you read some of these passages, you'll see how Jesus handles forgiveness. And, and today in my time, I want to talk to you just for a few minutes about what I see Jesus doing to Peter. And remember, I started by saying this is kind of connected to Peter's fail- failures. Desmond Tutu writes, Without forgiveness, we remain tethered to the person who harmed us. We are bound with chains of bitterness, tied together, trapped. Until we can forgive the person who harms us, the person will hold the keys to our happiness. That person will be our jailer. When we forgive, we take back control of our lives and our feelings. We become our own liberators. We don't forgive to help the other person. We forgive for ourselves. Forgiveness, in other words, is the best form of self-interest. Now, there are a lot of things I agree with about that quote, but I don't agree with the fact that this is about my self-care, this is about my self-interest. Let me say, though, quickly, that I have never been forgiven or offered forgiveness that I wasn't better. Did you, did you want me to say that again? Never. I've never been wounded by someone and processed through it and realized that what Paul talks about in the book of Romans when he says, be at peace with all men as much as is possible within you. Coyton Bloom who lost her sister and her father, was beaten and badly maligned during the concentration camp years. She is now free, and the war is over, and one of those Gestapo comes to her at the end of her sharing about Christ, and she, he says, Fräulein, and she sees in his face who he is. And she tells the most powerful story of her arm not being able to move. She could not even reach her her hand up to shake his hand. And all of this was going on internally. And her remembering all the things she had learned about how to forgive people and how she had offered forgiveness. And now here he was face to face. 
And she says it in the most wonderful way, there is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. And she reaches her hand and shakes this Gustavo's hand. And she says what happens to her is not only physical and emotional and spiritual, but she's changed. Her body chemistry changed. Her heart changed. It's a powerful story. If you've never seen the film or her or read her book, do read it. Elizabeth Elliot, who went back to the jungle, to the very men who killed her husband and the father of her child, she and the... Uh, a sister of one of the other men who were martyred, go back to the very same village where these men had killed them and their husband and brother, and they stay there, Rachel Saint and Elizabeth Elliot and their her daughter, Valerie. Forgiveness that helps us know what the truth is. And the, and the truth is, there are a lot of truths about forgiveness. There are a lot of truths about forgiveness. And the one that comes to me is, yes, keeping short accounts, but the other is, God is no respecter of sin. We respect sin, because we know that some sins have greater consequences. And sometimes we've been sniffled over. You know, we, we're, I, I mentioned this before, it, nobody's really sinned against me. They've only slighted me, and I want to make a big hairy deal of it. So can you tell the difference between a sin and a slight? How are your feelings about it? Secondly, can you be at peace with all men as much as is possible within you? And now I'm talking about people who wounded you in any possible evil conceivable way who are now dead or in jail or out of your connecting sphere and you can't talk to them. You can't say, I forgive you. Can you offer that forgiveness in your soul and in your spirit before God that if, like the Gestapo, they walked into this room, you would be willing to say, I forgive you? I love the ultimate plan and purpose of God. And as we approach this Holy Week and Palm Sunday and all the things that are coming before us, it is all a part of this plan and purpose of God's creation and his gift to us of free choice and free will. Forgiveness is a walk and a way of life. Giving, freeing, loving. Giving, freeing, loving. The best definition I've ever heard of grace, it is the active expression of God's love. And I think the active expression of God's love is forgiveness, is forgiveness. We have it within our power to forgive. Forgiveness is not optional. Forgiveness is a part of God's plan for me and requires my obedience. To forgive others is a sacrifice. It is a sacrifice. And I let go of my wounding, my pain, my suffering. And, and that can be beatings and abuse, physical, sexual, financial, the ways that people take advantage and sin against us. They are very real and very tangible. But I have to be willing to let that go sacrificially onto God and with his strength. And then in the end of that, I find what is freedom. I find what is freedom. 
and I see this, this small piece of Peter. Remember what his failing was? He, he just, his mouth is going off the top of the, all the time. And you can't wash my feet. And okay, then wash my body. And oh, I'll never forsake you. And yes, you will. And three times you're going to forsake me before the cock crows and Peter. And what happens to him? What happens to him? And I had this wonderful thought this last week as I've been doing my own readings. And, and the first was a surprise to me. It was a surprise to me. I love when God's word becomes a surprise to me. But in the book of Galatians, with the fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. So in context, Jesus Christ is living in a human body on earth, and God's ultimate plan is for him to grow up and turn 30 and spend three years doing ministry, and then God's plan for Jesus is coming. And now Jesus has his disciples and he's making them understand about this plan and how they fit into the plan and how he fits into the plan and that he has an option in this. And so when Peter sins against Jesus, and when I say those words, I'm just like dumbstruck. How is it you could have walked on earth with Jesus who was sinless, perfect? Okay, we're talking perfect. And then you want to say, I don't know him. I deny him. Three times in the course of a short period of time. We talked about that. But then what happens afterwards is that Jesus shows him Jesus' forgiveness. He, didn't, he did not, as far as I know, tell Peter that he forgave him. There's nowhere in the scripture that I can find that we see Jesus coming up to Peter and saying, Peter, you denied me. That hurt me. That was wounding. I will forgive you. That may be why he did what he did. But later we see Peter and Jesus on the waterfront. Remember it? He jumps out of the boat and Jesus is making a meal, a breakfast. And then he says to Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? I've heard a lot of messages on that. One of them's one kind of love, another kind of love. All of that, I think, is very theologically true. But I don't think for a moment that Jesus was asking Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Because the God of the universe needed to be affirmed in one human being's love for him. I don't, I don't believe that for a second. If anything, what I believe to be true is that Jesus is preparing to leave He's telling these disciples in the next days, there's someone who's coming more. He's, he's a paraclete. He's a helper. He's a comforter. He's going to be with all of you all over the world, all of the time. And I can't do that as I own one body. And so he says, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And I think it's because Jesus loves Peter so much. And Peter's own self-doubt must have been just off the pages. How badly do you think you would feel if you denied Jesus Christ? And you knew it. And then Jesus says three times, not because he needs to know it, but he is drawing this poison out of Peter. And he reassures him. And he already knew, of course, that Peter wanted and needed reassurance. By showing his forgiveness, 
Jesus made Peter's love as unshakable as a rock. He, he calls him the rock, and he builds the church on Peter. Whoa, whoa, stop, back up the truck. Peter, loudmouth, exuberant, strong-willed, has the right answer, denies Christ blatantly. He builds the church on him because Jesus was about joy. And in the Galatians passage for the fruit of the Spirit, the first one is love and the second one is joy. And I've never seen that before till last week. Never. I just never saw the juxtaposition of love and then joy. Jesus was joy. Everything Jesus did was joy. And here he is with this wayward disciple who's denied him blatantly and openly, and he's showing his love in reassuring him of who his own self-doubts, and he's showing this joy. And I, I was broken by it because I thought, I know how hard it is to forgive. And yet I also know the joy of making someone love us whom we already love. And Jesus was making Peter love Jesus more by forgiving him. I say that again? So think of it. Is it your husband? Is it your sister? Is it your mother? Is it a child? Is it a friend? Someone who's been mean and nasty and awful and working out their own junk on you. And you're sitting around waiting for them to come and confess and say, please forgive me. In the meantime, you're rehashing everything they've done. Or... Can you be like Jesus toward Peter and reassure them of your love? There's nothing more powerful than the joy of making someone love you who you already love. And may I just tell you boldly, when you forgive someone, they love you. They love you. They may not know what to do with it, but you are showing them that they have the capacity to be loved and to love back. That's what forgiveness does. Yeah, there are a lot of details about it and a lot of things we can talk about, but I want you to consider that joy is the great consoler himself. You are unique and unrepeatable. Why did God call you to this world? What are you doing? What is your purpose? All of these things that we often talk about, the new year and the considerations of it. But I want to say to you that God's hope for the world depends on your realizing God's hope in you. I'm going to say that again. God's hope for the world in the days ahead when we can pause and look and see what Jesus was doing on the Friday before coming into Bethany and having Palm Sunday, and then every day of the week that follows till Good Friday and Easter Resurrection is all about God's hope for the world. And God's hope for the world depends on your realizing God's hope in you. He does have a hope in you. And my hope in you is that you will consider in this days before the week of weeks and during the week of week that you would not be caught up with the Easter fra and instead be caught up with Easter forgiveness. I'm Donna Otto and we are Modern Homemakers. 
and I do love being with you. Thank you for listening. Remember the common, the begin, and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day of forgiveness. <laughs>